Hello, and welcome back for another episode of Discovery Bible Podcast. Today's episode, we're going to follow up on a discussion that we had in Mark chapter 10 and continue the discussion in Mark chapter 11. We're going to discuss what Jesus does when he's approaching the triumphal entry on his way to Jerusalem, how he meets blind Bartimaeus, and as Jesus approaches the coronation of the king, what people's reactions are to what it means to be a follower of Jesus and participate in this kingdom. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Here we go. Hello, Michael. Hi, Jacob. Here you get rolling again. Yeah, man. All yeah, right. I'm ready. Before we get started too deep in today's uh, podcast, I think it would be good if we jump back just a little bit because we kind of left something unsettled. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Some things, you know, you just read through and it's easy to skip over them. And I think this is worth looking at and kind of diving a little bit into. Yeah. What we kind of briefly skimmed over mm-hmm. was the idea of what Jesus promised to those people who follow him. Yeah, correct. And when we talk about, okay, God will reward you. You, you will, you'll receive a hundred times more now at this time, both ha- houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and fields and with persecutions. Yeah. I was on board for the first like four or five of those and then you throw in persecutions and I'm like, I like one of these things is not exactly the rest. I think, (laughs) I think that that's what tripped us up a little bit. It's like, you're kind of listing a whole bunch of like really cool things. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to get more. Persecutions is pretty cool, right? Yeah. (laughs) But you joke, but I think that's almost what he's going with here. Am I right? I think so. Yeah. I think so. He's almost not listing it as a negative. Yeah. You know, which is what we automatically, any sort of persecution is going to automatically be Mm -hmm. cast in a kind of uh, poor light. Right. And I I think that there's probably a mentality here that we don't fully understand within the Jewish mindset Mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah. Um, You know, their their life wasn't easy. It it wasn't. You know, the majority of the Jewish people and culture understood what it meant to have severe persecutions okay. resting upon them. You okay, know, gotcha. They, they were living underneath Roman oppression and had lived underneath other uh, nations' oppression for years, and so mm. they they understood what persecution meant, mm-hmm. right? And Jesus is saying to be part of my kingdom you're also going to struggle. Mm. It's not like you enter the kingdom of God and, oh, I'm going to be part of this new kingdom where there is nothing but sunshine and roses and nobody will ever yeah. struggle. Because there's this, in this mentality of the Jew of the time, we know that they are looking back to the days of David and Solomon thinking, man, that was the good old days. Mm. Gold and wealth were flowing into the country. Yeah. Everybody came to this place to basically bow down. I mean, yeah, it, the, the queens from other yeah. countries would come to see It was a powerhouse of a kingdom, yeah. man. It so was, if yeah. we're going to reestablish that, everything's good. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, no, 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 not so fast. There are struggles. Mm-hmm. And according to James, we know that we are supposed to count it all joy when we face trials mm-hmm. and struggles. Yeah. Because that is part of our faith. Yeah. That grows and strengthens our faith in mm-hmm. our walk with Jesus. So I think it's clear that persecutions is almost viewed as 
a, a an award or mm. a reward for following yeah. Christ. It's yeah. it's it's a yeah. it's a tell, it's an indicator that you are following because Jesus himself did not come to be served mm. but to serve and to give himself up for many. Yeah. And so if we ourselves are servants and are giving ourselves up, mm. persecution is part of that. Yeah. I think what's interesting is I don't know how much to read into this. I don't know how much to read into the whole idea of I'm going to receive this, 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 and this. Because mm-hmm. you don't become a Christian so that you can receive those things. Right. Or, or hopefully you don't. I, right. I hope that, right. you know, you don't try to become a Christian to receive <laughs> more things. Um, it's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you do become a Christian, there, I think there is an aspect of blessing there. Oh, sure. Um, obviously. I mean, I mean, there's a promised you, blessing. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I think there's almost like... In my mind, sometimes mm-hmm. I separate like spiritual blessing and physical blessing, mm-hmm. and I'm like, how much should I be? I I don't want the things that I have. I want to be able to acknowledge them as something good God's given me, mm-hmm. but I don't want to become like those to become just like idols or something that distracts me mm-hmm. from um you know what what I need to be focused on. Right. And I think this is an interesting verse because it's kind of saying, hey, you know, w- if you if you become a Christian and you give your life up for me, mm-hmm. you know. Your life is not going to be like awful, mm-hmm. you know. You're mm-hmm. I'm, you're still going to have good things, mm-hmm. but you're also going to have persecutions mm-hmm. because of the decision you've decided mm-hmm. to make. Yeah. And I think that's kind of like a a more complete idea than what I sometimes yeah. feel like. Cuz like I feel like a lot of the stuff that I've heard is give up your life and you're going to be persecuted. Mm-hmm. Or on the on the totally opposite side of that, mm-hmm of you know give up your life to christ and everything's going to be better Mm. Mm -hmm. this kind of i feel like this verse is like you know what it is going to be better and you are going to have some really cool things Mm -hmm. that happen in your life and you're going to have new people that come into your life Mm -hmm. that you know and as you continue to follow christ you know we've Mm -hmm. seen that you know god will help prosper those people that follow Mm -hmm. him and give themselves up for him Mm -hmm. but there's also going to be the persecutions Mm -hmm. of that so i don't know i feel like this is kind of a cool you know, complete picture. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know. And maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Well, I, I think there's a lot to be said about our, our modern take on the idea of struggles. We don't like it. Well, and that's not something and I was going to touch on too, because like you say, hey, like the Jewish people understood mm-hmm. persecution because they're under Roman oppression. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, what's the equivalent of being under Roman oppression? I mean, yeah. Well, we don't have it in. In an American culture, yeah, American setting, we we just don't understand that. But I will say, the early church viewed persecution as a privilege. Yeah. It was a privilege to struggle. Mm-hmm. It was a privilege to be counted worthy to suffer for Christ, or even die for the sake of Christ. I don't know if you've ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. tough book to mm-hmm. get through. Yeah, but these it's guys a, it's not a pick me up. No, no, it's no. not a pick me up. But, it, but, but it's but real. It's, yeah, it's, it's true stories of mm-hmm. people who were willing to sacrifice and give everything for Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and that wasn't in their mentality something that they're like looking down on. Like this was a badge of honor. I am counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ, mm-hmm. and that is something that we don't put in this category of blessing. Yeah, I mean, you know that that's not something that I, I would say. Oh boy, I I got to be you know beat up today for Jesus. Yay, blessed am yeah, I. No, yeah, th- that'd be like God. Why did you allow this to happen? Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's just a mentality that we need to really kind of be careful that we don't run away mm-hmm. from struggles, run yeah. away from trials in our life to the point where we don't realize what God's doing. Yeah. God is working something in me, in, in you, mm-hmm. and in each of us mm-hmm. when we face struggles and trials that we can't maybe grow in an, any other condition, in any other setting. There's a pressure that's taking place upon us, and it's when we're under that pressure of persecution mm-hmm. that we grow the most. Yeah, It's maybe only under certain environments that our spiritual life will deepen and grow. Yeah. And so maybe it's God blessing us yeah. with the persecution in order to deepen our faith and deepen our understanding of him that we wouldn't have naturally grown to without it. Yeah, and I think and this goes along with it, but it's kind of a side note. I think sometimes I I think that having a relationship with Christ and sometimes just having the relationship, you know, will cause will cause these like bad events, persecutions, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them. But I feel like life is just hard sometimes and there's just going to be bad times. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I think is really cool is that the bad times take on a new meaning mm. whenever you're a Christian, mm-hmm. rather than than just oh this some this re- this really bad thing happened to me, there is no rhyme or reason to it, and it just is frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever you, rather than having that mindset when you're a Christian, you can be like wow this is really rough, but there's something to be taken away from this, and there's something that I'm I'm being you know like you say there's a pressure being put on you to, you know, bring you to whatever lesson or whatever, you know, outcome that God wants for you. Mm -hmm. And so I think it brings meaning to the hard times. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of a a, a side note, because I don't know if that's exactly what it's talking about with persecutions here, Mm -hmm. but uh, I think it's worth thinking about. Something we all need to think about, for sure. So let's go ahead and jump into verse 32. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Do you want me to just yeah. buzz through the rest of the chapter? Yeah, let's go okay. ahead and get through this chapter. Well, before you do, I think this is a very natural break in the reading of the book. Um, kind of starting right here in verse 32, Jesus predicts his death again. It's the third time, Yeah, which I think is significant. It's three times, and I, you know, we've talked about this before. I think numbers are significant, and they oh, have yeah. significant meaning yeah, absolutely. in scriptures. Mm-hmm. And so he tells them again about the prediction of his death, but then I want to take a moment to understand Jesus is taking his rightful place and ascending the throne to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. He is establishing the kingdom of God on earth, and we see that through the Everything that's taking place right before this, we're going to see it on from the the uh, the the blind man named Bartimaeus mm-hmm. in in Jericho. We're going to talk about this guy. Yeah, we're going to see how this plays into it. We're going to see it, it as the entire nation is saying, "Hosanna, come and save us now." Yeah, and what that into eleven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're not going to get too far into that today, but a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then the entire, really, almost the entire rest of the book talks about this coronation of King Jesus. Yeah. And so I want that to be at the at the front of our mind as we're reading. There are a lot of quick stories that we're going to hit through, yeah. but this is establishing Jesus as king. Mm-hmm. He's establishing his reign here on earth. So as we read this, remember it is fitting into the, the, the movement of Mark that says 
Jesus's kingship is here. Gotcha. And so when we read this next phase, Jesus is predicting his death, and everybody's uh, tracking with the whole idea of kingship. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Where, where's death fit in? Which where, is what we've seen before. Yeah. That they don't understand. Like they think again, this is some sort of metaphor. Exactly. Yeah. And then remember this as we talk about James and John, and mm-hmm. they're like, "Hey, when you ascend to your kingdom, can I sit with you?" Yeah. And yep. then yep. we hear the blind man. And he's saying, son of David. Well, who's this? Okay, kingship. Mm-hmm. Okay, that should ring true in our ears. Triumphal inf- entry, kingship. Mm-hmm. It, it's all laying the groundwork. And so it's all wrapped up into this one big push that John, uh, sorry, that Mark is pointing us towards. Mm-hmm. That this is God's kingdom established on earth. Okay. And so Jesus has been proclaiming this entire time. Repent, the kingdom of heaven has drawn near. All this time he's been saying, here comes the kingdom, here comes the kingdom. This is the kingdom. Here it is. Here it is, and it's nothing like what they expected. Mm. So just keep all that in mind as yeah. we move through this phase. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So do you want to go ahead and read? Yeah, all I right. can do that. Go for it. Um, so verse uh, uh, Mark 10, verse 32 here. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were astonished, but those who followed him were afraid. Taking the twelve aside, he began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Listen, we are going to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him, and he will rise after three days. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, approached him and said, Teacher, we want you to do something for us if we ask you. What do you want me to do for you? He asked them. They asked him, allow us to sit at your right and your left in your glory. But Jesus asked, or excuse me, Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup I drink or to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We are able, they told him. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those it has been prepared for. When the other ten disciples heard this, they began to be indignant with James and John. Jesus called them over and said to them, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles dominate them, and their, and their men of high positions exercise power over them. But it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first among you must be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. They came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, and a large he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, uh, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. When he heard that he that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out, Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. Many people told him to keep quiet, but he was crying out all the more, Have mercy on me, son of David. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man and said to him, Have courage, get up, he's calling for you. He threw off his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Then Jesus answered him, What do you want me to do for you? Uh, Rabboni, the blind man, told him, I want to see. Go your way, Jesus told him, your faith has healed you. Immediately he could see and began to follow him on the road. And that is the end of chapter 11. Or excuse me, chapter 10. Chapter, chapter 10. 10. Yeah. yeah. And um, chapter 11 dovetail, mm. dovetails right in, into this. So let's, yeah. let's, uh, let's work through chapter 10 for just a little bit. Okay. I think we can get through this fairly quickly. Yeah, sure. But um, 
First of all, they're walking on the road to Jerusalem, and before they get there, we're going to walk through the town of Jericho, which we all know that story of yeah Jericho. Yeah. So the same place, and as they're walking through, he's teaching them and telling them what's going to happen. And he says, the Son of Man, which is one of his favorite titles to mm-hmm. use. Yeah. And I think we've talked about that, how it's in reference to Daniel will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and he's going to be killed. And these guys almost ignore it entirely. James and John, sons of Zebedee, approach him and say, will you, you know, give us this ability to, can, can we sit at your right hand, left hand, you know, when, mm. you, when you're near your kingdom? It's just, it's almost comical. It's like, did yeah. you not get everything that he was just talking yeah. to you about? And and they want to move right on to the next thing. Yeah, 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 yeah that's fine, but... Your your kingdom's coming. Let's let's focus on on that, Jesus. That's that's what you just said is kind of a downer. Let's talk about this. This is a lot more exciting. Yeah. And they want to sit at his right and left hand. And I think this just demonstrates how their mentality again of the kingdom of God is so vastly different than what Jesus has actually come to establish. And Jesus asks asks them, "Are you able to drink the cup and be baptized? Basically, are you?" Do you have the ability to suffer in the way that I am going to suffer? Yeah. And this is talking about the the cup of wrath that mm. that God is going to pour out, the cup of judgment that God is going to pour out. And they say, yeah, we're able to, to take it. And I think it just demonstrates they don't even know what they're talking about, yeah. for one. Like they sure, don't Jesus, whatever you say. Yeah, yeah we yeah, can do sure. that. We can we can do that. I don't know what you're talking about, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if it gets me that. to the right and left hand, then yeah, yeah, I'm on it. Yeah. Yeah. And and Jesus says, you know what? You are able to drink the cup I drink and to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. That'll happen. They're gonna suffer the same yeah. fate as Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we know that that did happen, because we could turn to Acts chapter twelve in verse 2, mm-hmm. and see when James was put to death yeah, for his faith. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it's talking about when Jesus says, can you drink this cup? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little cryptic. Yeah, and as Jesus always is. Yeah, but he's saying this whole ascension into the kingdom, you think it's about royalty, about drinking from the golden cup, and mm-hmm. Jesus is like, I'm not that's not what I'm about. Yeah. And and I think we need to keep on going with this train of thought and of, you know, the this this ascending to, to royalty or, or to servitude because Jesus jumps down in verse forty four and says, Whoever wants to be first among you, you have to be a slave. Mm-hmm. It's like you guys you you don't want to understand why I'm here yet. I didn't come to rule. I came to serve. The Son of Man did not come to to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And again, he's he's telling them, I'm I have come to to give my life. You want to drink from that cup? You want to be baptized with that baptism? That's that's what he's asking. Yeah. I just don't think they understand. No, I again I think the whole mindset is wrong. And you can look back, I mean, even in, you know, chapter let's see, chapter nine. Mm-hmm. In, in 33, when they talk about who's going to be the greatest, mm-hmm. um, they're still focused on the wrong thing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, again, it's just, a like you say, a misunderstanding of what the kingdom is going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And that that whole idea of 
being a servant. Yeah. Sounds like you said 933. I mean, chapter 10 and verse 31. But many who are first will be last and the last first. I mean, it's it's a reversal. Yeah. Of what we would think exactly. greatness would be or should be. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus is. He's putting the whole paradigm shift on its head and saying what you think the kingdom should look like mm-hmm. is not. And it's putting the focus differently too, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. mean, what is considered, I mean, what what do we just consider greatness, mm-hmm. you know? Rising above everyone, mm-hmm. right? I mean, the, I still consider, like, what do great people do? Mm-hmm. Great people lead. Great people have a lot of power. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're able to, like I say, rise up and yeah. and make a name for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um and he's saying you're focused on the wrong thing. This mm-hmm. the, the kingdom is not about rising up and becoming great. Mm-hmm. The kingdom is about, you know, your brothers and sisters. You know, the kingdom is about, you know, my people. Right. That's what the kingdom is about. The kingdom isn't about you, one person, becoming great. The kingdom is about, you know, the first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's about re-attaining an access mm-hmm. to... God. Mm-hmm. That's what the kingdom is about. The mm-hmm. kingdom isn't about an earthly kingdom or anything like that. Jesus is saying, you guys are focused on the wrong thing. You are going to end up dying for a kingdom that is not about you becoming great. It's about you giving up your life so that others can gain access to me. Mm. Which I think is just, again, Jesus, you know, obviously showing an incredible amount of understanding Mm -hmm. and being able to put it in a way that isn't just flat out saying it, Mm -hmm. but also trying to give those who have ears to hear an opportunity to listen, to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So when we think about what Jesus is doing, he's on the road to Jerusalem, which is where the king would take his royal throne. And so they're all anticipating this royal ascension to the, to the throne. And on the way, they meet a blind man. Mm-hmm. So here we go, stopping in Jericho for a moment. Yeah. And right after this conversation takes place with the disciples, they come into Jericho and they have a large crowd around them and they find this blind man named Bartimaeus, mm-hmm. which means root of honor. Bart, mm-hmm. in, in this uh, instance, is the son of. Mm-hmm. So Timaeus means the root of honor. So mm-hmm. son of the root of honor. Would be the name of Bartimaeus, which is interesting that we even know his name because most of the time, usually Mark's it's just, just the blind man. Hey, this guy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this guy over in Jericho, or the blind man from Jericho. Mm-hmm. But we know who he is. He's the son of the root of honor, which I think is interesting because we know that the root of Jesse, who that is, the shoot of Jesse, mm-hmm. the the root. There's going to be a growth from the root mm-hmm. that will ascend to take the throne. And so Bartimaeus understands who Jesus is. Yeah. The man whose name means root of honor knows who the true root of honor is. Hmm. And so as he sees Jesus walking down, he cries out, Son of David. That is not just anybody's title. That is the one who should be king. Yeah. Is what he's crying the, out. The, the one who should ascend the throne. The long predicted. The Messiah. Yeah. Without saying Messiah, that's what he's saying. Yeah. Son of David, Jesus, have mercy on me. And he calls out over and over, Son of David, have mercy on me again. And then Jesus stops and 
he calls him and he comes running up to him. Rabboni, teacher, the blind man says, I want to see. And Jesus heals him. He, he heals him and he says immediately he could see. It was because of his faith. He says, your faith has healed you. Mm-hmm. There has to be a great, great level of faith in this man that we aren't really fully explained or mm-hmm. told about. But yeah. this blind man got it. Yeah, This blind man understood who Jesus was. Yeah. Like we, we talked about this a little bit last time yeah. when the, the, the whole network of uh, verbal Mm-hmm. Uh, culture yeah. prior to the yeah. age of cell phones yeah. and how things just spread. This blind man had to have heard these stories that were just spreading throughout the country. No doubtedly, yeah. I mean, these Jericho. guys like always like to hang out in popular areas too, yeah. right? I mean, that's yeah. where they go to beg for money and yeah. beg for food. So that he's going to be at the center of of life. You mm-hmm. know, he's going to be able to hear all these stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing that I just think is so interesting about this is like. Why do we check? I mean, you know, Jesus does a lot of miracles, right? I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, the stuff that we've seen in the Bible is a, a mm-hmm. fraction of the miracles that Jesus did while he was on earth. Right. Why do we have so many that are talking about blind and deaf people? Why yeah. is it always blind and deaf people? Yeah. Why do we mention them so frequently? Mm-hmm. Um, and why mention them right here? You mm-hmm. know, and what I mean, maybe maybe this I, I it. It sounds like this was just chronologically what happened. Mm-hmm. You have the disciples who are blind to who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. They don't understand it. And then you have a blind man who knows exactly who Jesus is. But we know that because of what it's told to us mm-hmm. in Isaiah. Yeah. It says the Messiah will come and open the eyes of the blind. Yeah. And open the ears of the deaf. Yeah. And so that they can hear and that they can see. Mm-hmm. And so this man, I believe, probably was physically blind. Yeah, absolutely. But I think he was spiritually, uh, you know, could see. Spiritually, spiritually could, he could see. see. Yeah. And so because of his faith, because he could spiritually see, he could see that Jesus is mm-hmm. the Messiah. Yeah. That's the faith. Yeah. That's the faith that he had, that he was healed from his physical ailment. Mm-hmm. There. And what an amazing story. I mean, just yeah. the fact that Jesus comes walking through and he cries out. I mean, I would have loved to see this take place. But mm-hmm. the fact that this man, the root of honor, recognizes Jesus as the son of David, the root of honor. Mm-hmm. He is the one that will ascend to the throne. Yeah. He is the one who is the king. He is the one who is the Messiah that the prophets have declared. He's going to make the blind eyes see. He had that faith. Yeah. He is the one who will make the ears of the deaf open to hear. Yeah. He's the one. He's and like... So I don't I don't think that this guy was at all surprised that Jesus could heal him. Like mm-hmm. he he called out to him with great faith saying, "I want to see. I know who you are. Yeah. This is what you do. Yep. You are the Messiah. You're the son of David, the predicted one. I want to see because this mm-hmm. is what Isaiah and all the prophets have said that yep. you can do. Mm-hmm. Make it so." I I wonder like he has that knowledge. He knows that he knows who Jesus is. I wonder if he had a greater knowledge of like what Jesus's actual kingdom was. I, mm-hmm. I want, I, that's just me wondering. I mean, did he know that Jesus like was going to die and raise yeah. again in three days or did he just know that this was the coming Messiah? Don't you wish you could have yeah. the story of Bartimaeus? Yeah. <laughs> like another non, non biblical story. But if yeah. Bartimaeus went, went away one day and he, he wrote his letters to the apostle Paul, let me tell you about my account. Because he definitely had great faith, right? Yeah. I mean, you can see it here. Yeah. Um, I just wonder like, was his faith because we're kind of getting a, a contrast between the disciples and Bartimaeus. Right, right. So I just wonder. 
Yeah, something I guess we'll just have to wonder about. Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, that, that, I don't leave, like to leave hanging questions, but I don't think that one's going to have an easy answer. Probably not. Chapter 11. You ready to keep rolling? Yeah, I think All so. Right. Um, so this, again, is in context of Jesus establishing the kingdom on earth that nobody's expecting. Yeah, yeah. Kind of something that's been alluded to throughout the book. <laughs> He's but definitely alluded to it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and the some, entire thing. Is, sometimes straight up said it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, definitely alluded to throughout, and now it's kind of like, okay, guys. Here it is. Here it is. This is what we're doing. Um, so we'll just start in chapter 11. Let's do it. All right, so 11-1. When they approached Jerusalem at, you just looked this word up to pronounce it correctly. What? How do you say this? Beth Pethage. Okay, that word. And Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and told them, Go into the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a young donkey tied there, on which no one has ever sat. Untied and bring it here. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here right away. So they went and found a young donkey outside the outside in the street, tied by a door. They untied it, and some of those standing there said to them, "Why are you doing? What are you doing untying the donkey?" They answered them, just as Jesus had said. So they let them go. Then they brought the donkey to Jesus and threw their robes on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their robes on the road, and others spread leafy branches cut from the fields. Then those who went ahead. Then those who went ahead and those who followed kept shouting, Hosanna, he who comes in the name of the Lord is the blessed one. The coming kingdom of our father David is blessed. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And he went into Jerusalem and into the temple complex. After looking around at everything, since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Oh, man. Here we go. There's the entry. Yeah. We've made it to Jerusalem. The triumphal entry. Triumphal. Here it is. Yeah. So we've made it to Jerusalem. Jesus has traveled through Jericho, up the passageway, through the Mount of Olives. He's passed the Garden of Gethsemane on his way there. And as he's approaching, he sends the disciples ahead and says, go and pick up a young donkey. Yeah. <laughs> Some significance to that. Yeah. I, I, I think just like literally he is fulfilling yet another prophecy. Yeah. So we see this in uh, Zechariah nine nine, mm-hmm. where Zechariah is uh, he he literally says you're going to have this guy come in and he's going to be riding on a young yeah. donkey. It, the 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 heading of that section is says the coming of Zion's king, mm-hmm. and Zechariah nine nine says rejoice greatly, daughter Zion, shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble. And riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Can you read 10 there too? I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim, and the horse from Jerusalem. The bow of war will be removed, and he will proclaim peace to the nations. His dominion will extend from sea to sea, from from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. I think that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So like I l- did a little bit of research on this and like in those times whenever a leader comes in on a donkey mm-hmm. it's kind of a symbol of peace. Mm-hmm. If a leader comes in on a horse it means I'm going to come here and conquer you and if the leader comes in on a donkey it's like I come in peace. Yeah. And what does it say right there? 
in Zechariah. It's like this guy is coming in in peace. Mm-hmm. He's going to establish peace. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and you think about, I don't know that any of the people of Jerusalem would have ever seen a ruler coming in on a donkey. No. Because they were used to the Caesars, the rulers, the the Romans. The, they would have seen... The conquerors. Year, yes, yeah. the conquerors coming through. So I doubt that anybody... And what ruler wants to ride in on a donkey? Quite yeah, honestly, that's well, not that's not a a, a royal, noble steed. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, I mean especially like uh, the people you've conquered. I mean, yeah. if you just like not just so but do it, these people, and I'm going to ride in on this foal. That's that really going to strike hearts. Strike fear. Yeah, strike fear in the hearts of these people. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think that's a really good point. Um. I just think it's interesting that, you know, the significance of not only I'm fulfilling a prophecy here, which Jesus does time and time again, obviously, but I wonder if that, like, the idea of peace and what it says in Zechariah, mm-hmm. of him establishing this peace and not making war, um, I wonder if, like, that idea would be triggered in these people. Like, hey, this is, this is, this guy is fulfilling Zechariah. Like, mm-hmm. what should I be expecting? He's coming on the donkey. What Zachariah say? Zachariah says it's going to happen next. He's not going to make war. Mm-hmm. There's going to be peace. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I wonder if they thought that. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know because I don't know, I don't know how well the the ancient readers knew the prophet Zechariah, but I, I would. I would not readers, think, the ancient people. I, I would think they're familiar with it. Yeah, and they knew what was going on. I mean, they they saw the symbolism. Yeah, and I, and I think that with the the man that we just spoke of, mm-hmm. who's in uh, Jericho, Bartimaeus. Yeah, um, that they recognized. Yeah, what Jesus was doing at, by yeah. riding in on a donkey. Mm-hmm. Um, at least many of them. You know, the other thing that I think is interesting in Exodus, I want to jump all the way back to Exodus. Oh, wow. We're yeah, going back. We're going way back. And it's this is a time where, you know, the Lord is giving instructions over Passover and various things regarding... Um, yeah, the some, route some, some laws or... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, won't, I won't give the full where we're at in the whole story of Israel. Sure, yeah. But in Exodus chapter 13... Um, it's the Lord bringing them into the land of the Canaanites, and, and he's giving them instruction on mm-hmm. how they're to live. And in starting in verse 13 of chapter 13, it says, You must redeem every firstborn of a donkey with a flock animal. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. <laughs> Strange, right? However, you must redeem every firstborn among your sons. In the future, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, by the strength of his hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the place brought us out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn man to the firstborn of livestock. That is why I sacrificed to the Lord all the firstborn of the womb that are males, but I redeem all all the firstborn of my sons. So, let it be a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead, for the Lord brought us out of Egypt by the strength of his hand. And I think this is symbolic, too, of what Jesus is doing in redeeming the nation. He is bringing them out of 
the darkness, out of slavery, out of the slavery of sin, though. Not okay. not just redeeming them from the actual physical oppression, but of a spiritual oppression. He's redeeming people and redeeming them not just in a way that we can see that, okay, we're no longer slaves in Egypt, but we are freed from the bondage of sin. Okay. And so this redemption that is symbolic of the donkey, it's tied directly into what Jesus is going to do on the cross in, in the ushering in the kingdom. There's there's more that we can flesh out there, and we'll probably do that at a later time. Interesting. But okay, I, wanted yeah. to, I wanted to just tie that in real quick because this, this reference of a donkey is not just like a one-time popped up in the— in the prophets, yeah, and and then it's like, oh, well, that's weird. That's just an animal that happened to show up. Like, no, it, it's actually symbolic all the way back. We've seen a donkey, you know, having some sort of significance yes. multiple times with the redemption of Israel. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. With the redemption of Israel, so it's not. We've tied this animal to the idea of the redemption of Israel. Yes, multiple times. Like, yes. it, it hasn't just happened. Oh, Zechariah mentioned it, and this makes sense. But yes. it's like, oh, Zechariah, and it was in Deuteronomy, and it's like kind of a. A reoccurring theme. Yeah, back in Exodus, right, yeah. So it's, or excuse me, yeah, yeah. Exodus. So it, it's a theme re- mentioning that God is in the process of redeeming his people. Hmm. And it's tied in with, of all animals, a donkey. Yeah. A foal. And so that, I, I just wanted to bring it out, bring it to light, because there are so many passages in Exodus and Leviticus that we can see a clear representation of what Jesus is doing. Yeah. We just have to look for it. Yeah. And oftentimes we read this passage in Exodus and we're like, that's weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you've read this before. Oh, absolutely. I've and how many pas- times have Very many passages, like that passage and others, yeah. where it's like, oh, wow, that... And do Why we, did we do this? Yeah. Like, that doesn't seem to have any, like, physical... How like, does this help me? Yeah, <laughs> not at all. Well, how did it help them, how too? How help uh, them? Yeah. But, G- but the... But they wrote it down saying, one day your son is going to ask you, why do we do this? Well, I think that's significant. Mm-hmm. We should ask. So why do we do this? Why did they do this? Not us. We don't redeem donkeys. <laughs> no. But what is the significance? Well, it ties into the redemption of Israel, mm-hmm. which is exactly what Jesus was sent to do. Interesting. And that is something that carries over from the book of Exodus, foretold in the prophets, and is fulfilled in Jesus. Yeah. And that happens over and over and over again. And so one day, when we get to the book of Exodus, we get to the book of Leviticus, mm-hmm. we're going to see these pictures that we can tie all the way back to Jesus, that we say, this is kind of a strange thing yeah. that's going on in Israel, but it's representative of the redemption that God has promised to his mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. that follow him, that love him, that see his, his kingdom coming. Yeah. And so... I just wanted to point that out because yeah. we are going to take some time one of these days and really dig into some of these yeah. imagery, yeah. Uh, these images that are all the way back in the Old Testament. Yeah. That, as you read it through the book of Exodus, you'd be, just be like, well, there's there's 10 verses. I have no idea what's going on Yeah, <laughs> because that's pretty easy to do. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just pick, cherry picking some verses out of there is yeah. a good way to confuse yourself. So let's jump right back into the story of Mark where he's he is riding in on a donkey. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they thought all the way back to, wow, this is Exodus taking place here. Yeah, but they that for sure would have thought about the promise mm-hmm. of the king mm-hmm. riding in. Absolutely. They definitely got that. Either way, they have an understanding of this This is significant. This mm-hmm. is a new a new kingdom being you know ushered right. in. Jesus is making a statement here. Yes. And that's evidenced by what the people say or shouting. Absolutely, because they are shouting, Hosanna, 
He who comes in the name of the Lord is the blessed one. This is almost a direct quote. I mean, it, it is. It is quoting from the Psalm 118. Mm-hmm. Lord, save us. Lord, please grant us success. He who comes in the name of the Lord is blessed. For the house of the Lord, we bless you. That 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 is shouting that same blessing, only it's shouting it over Jesus. Yeah. As he's riding in on this donkey. Mm-hmm. So you, you see the, the, the promise of who Jesus is going to be riding on that donkey. And mm. these people are proclaiming who Jesus is by shouting out Psalm yeah. 18, 118, excuse me, Psalm 118, as this is the victory of the Lord yeah. being ushered in to the kingdom. I, I think this is something that I haven't thought about, and I don't mean to pull us off track a little bit, but you have people that that understand who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. You know, they understand at least the concept of he is the the Messiah, mm-hmm. right? Right. But the, you know, the obviously the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they aren't okay with that whole idea. Right. Am I way off there? No, I mean, no. they, they're not. They're not okay with it. They're so not okay with it. They don't it. see correct. him as the Messiah, right. correct? Right, right, right. So yes. the people who are who like are ushering— At least most of them don't, because we do know of a few Pharisees that come to Jesus. Sure. I mean, the book of John tells us Nicodemus was a Pharisee mm-hmm. who came to Jesus at night. So there are a few people who are searching. Yeah. But for the majority of the time, mm-hmm. when we understand who the Pharisees are and when they're brought up in Scripture— they're opposing Jesus. Yeah. They're trying to make him stumble, to trip him up, yeah. to, to get him caught, tr- so they can put him to death. It's not usually a good in- exchange. Of no, we n- <laughs> oh, we never see like a really positive. We're like, so glad that you're here. You must be the Messiah. Yeah, no. Never a declaration like that. I think the new like thought that I'm having here is I wonder how many of these people actually understood what Jesus was doing. Like, I wonder if a lot of them were shocked whenever he died, you know? I think they were, because we see a few chapters later, the crowd shouting, crucify him. So are these the same people? Like, are these the same, like, people that I I want, we don't know for sure, but... We don't have a list of names of no, the people that shouted Hosanna and the list of names that shouted kill him, but we're told it's the crowd, you know? And and, and it's maybe the mob that's that's sees this jesus figure and they see him riding in on a donkey and it's a kind of a mob mentality yeah and first uh, they're like hey we're on board with this yeah here's the new it, it, it's a little bit like caesar crossing the rubicon when jesus comes riding in on a donkey it's uh-huh. like this is this is the do or die moment yeah <laughs> no literally pun in, no pun intended yeah, yeah, Sorry. yeah but like jesus comes to the jerusalem uh-huh and this is this is they know the crowd knows this is where it's about to come to a, to a head, mm-hmm. and and they may be shouting, "Save us now! Mm-hmm. Save us now! Yeah. King David, the son of David, save us now! Yeah. Blessed are you!" And then he comes in. And he, we see the whole scene in the temple mm-hmm. and everything else that goes on. And as soon as he's turned over, and they realize like this guy's not it. He's not what we thought he was going to be. He's not inciting rebellion. Okay, kill that guy. Yeah, we'll wait for the next <laughs> the next one. <laughs> I, I, guess the next I I just think it's so interesting that they so quickly were like, we a hundred percent understand who this is. Mm. 
Like, all of the signs point for this being the Messiah. And then after a few days of the, him not acting the way that they think he will, they're like, yeah, that's not him. Because they're not expecting the kingdom to be what Jesus proclaimed it to be. Yeah. They have their mentality of what their Messiah should look like. Mm-hmm. And it's a conquering hero. Yeah. And it's one who overthrows the Roman rule. Mm-hmm. And that all nations flood to Jerusalem, to the Mount Zion. Mm-hmm. Well, how can you do that if your king's getting killed? Yeah. It doesn't fit their mentality hmm. so i think that's a great spot to leave it right there i think so we too. keep on rolling into the book of mark we're gonna we're quickly approaching the crucifixion of jesus yeah. and everything surrounding this event this is what we would call the passion week now mm-hmm. and then we're coming into this these final days of jesus as before he he goes to the cross really an amazing couple of passages that we have to look at and it's going to be i think a little bit of a struggle to get through all of it yeah in a timely manner but boy this has been fun oh yeah it <laughs> I, always I've is had a blast. it always is yeah it always is yeah okay we'll see you next time all right thank you for joining us for today's episode of discovery bible podcast Hope you enjoyed today's episode as we discussed Blind Bartimaeus and the triumphal entry. We're going to continue on with discussion of Jesus next week in the book of Mark. We've really enjoyed this uh, study. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. And I hope you join us next week as we continue on working through the book of Mark.